0: They're squirmy and wormy and purple and green. The grossest little creatures that you've ever seen. Creepy Clovis. Fill the monster mold with the colored plastic goo And make a creepy crawler from my yucky monster soup. They're Dr- ucky, yucky, squirmy, wormy, very scary, sometimes Harry's squiggly, wiggly, creepy crawly.
1: Creepy Clovis. gross out your sister, embarrass your dad. You can be a little creep without being bad.
0: So Creepy It's Carpenter is a two-month Halloween series featuring the best and the worst of Carpenter's horror movies, included The Fog, Ghost of Mars, Christine, and more. The Thing and They Live sold separately. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Run podcast. I'm Brian from CultSplotation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin.
1: How's
0: it going? Yeah, we're doing pretty, pretty... Actually, you know what? I can't even pretend that I'm doing okay. I'm not doing Okay. I'm somewhat angry that we're doing this episode. I find myself, my ire rising as I. It's usually think about
1: not it. you. It's usually me.
0: That's true. Yeah. No, this time it's me. I mean, you know what? I have to keep down because I found out I have high blood pressure. So I <laughs> can't be getting too upset about a movie. But.
1: Join, join the club.
0: <laughs> but yes, we are back again. Uh, we're doing. The So Creepy It's Carpenter series for our Halloween season. And we're just running through the horror movies of John Carpenter. From the good, to the bad, to the Ghosts of Mars. Last time we did... Where's,
1: the, where, where's that in the good and the bad? Where's what? The Ghost of Mars.
0: Ooh, we're going to talk about it. That's, that's this episode. We're talking about Ghosts of Mars today. We're going to get into the nitty gritty about this movie... From 2001 that forced Carpenter into semi-retirement for nine years. <laughs> so there's got to be something there. <laughs> but yeah, we did, last week, uh, we did The Fog. It's pretty fun. Fun little time talking about that movie. The week before that, uh, we did Vampires. And this is our third week. So we're continuing on, getting closer and closer to Halloween. And... Throughout our Carpenter series, we're going to be doing a mixture of films, so we're not going to do all the good ones at the same time, and we're not going to do all the bad ones at the same time. started out with Vampires, which is a fairly mediocre one, moved on to The Fog, which is a pretty good one, and um, here we are with Ghosts of Mars. It's a a movie. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I actually, with Ghosts of Mars, I have never seen it before. I've certainly heard a lot about it. Um, and very, very distinctly remember the cover artwork for it, um, because it has that 2000s flair to it. The, um, the full cast being surrounded by the premonition of, uh, the villain. Um, it has a very distinctive style to it that was pretty prevalent during the 2000s. But I never watched it. Um, I don't know. Was it was it like protection for myself? Was I were, did I secretly know what I was getting into, and so I kind of just decided not to see it? Was I concerned that I would be thrown off from Carpenter forever? I don't know. For some reason, I just always skipped over Ghosts of Mars. Just never made Sad. an attempt. Sad. Well, you've seen it, right? You've seen it before now. Yes, probably a long time uh,
1: ago. Yeah, like back when it came out on like DVD. Um, I remember being over at a friend's house and he rented it. Hmm. So,
0: are you still friends? No. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Then that was the reason why.
1: No, ruined the friendship. (laughs) Um. No, but I do remember seeing it. I don't remember having like a really strong opinion on it, but then again, this is 12 or 13 years old. I just kind of remember being like, huh, that's a movie. Well, yeah, I mean, and I think... Got some boom booms in it.
0: (laughs) I think we probably thought about it a lot differently back then, too. Uh, At our ages, you know, 12, 13 years old, just watch a movie. It's a rated R movie. It's a horror movie.
1: Like, I think I remember kind of saying um, the main takeaway was, it wasn't Pitch Black. Mm. <laughs> that was it? it was, that was all you had to compare it to? You're just like, oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, because I remember a friend showing me Pitch Black and then being like, oh, that's, that movie's so badass. Vin Diesel's so badass in there.
0: So you were just like, you know, space type setting, movie, yeah. sci-fi movie, you know. Go to Mars pitch black, you know.
1: Here's just compare um, them together. Yeah, Jason Statham's all right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he's no Vin Diesel.
1: No Vin Diesel. And and Jason Statham looks rather like homely in this film. Like... <laughs> well, you know, I was
0: definitely um I mean, I, w- I, w- I would say that I'm not... I wasn't excited to watch Ghost of Mars because I, I, I know about it and I know the connotations that it's gotten over the years. Um, however, I did... I had interest in checking it out because, you know, knowing Carpenter's output and following horror, you you kind of have to watch, you know, what's been considered the shitty stuff too. And so... I was excited to just see, you know, how bad can it be? Really, you know, how 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 much can Carpenter miss the mark? Also, you need,
1: you need to stop calling Ghost of Mars, okay? Don't let John Carpenter get away with it. It's John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars.
0: That's true. Yeah, we
1: don't. You know,
0: yeah, we can't uh, forget the the moniker on there to distinguish it from the other Ghosts of Mars movies that are out there.
1: Do you, Do you think he um? He regrets having his name on it, but the fact that he gets paid every time, it's sad that he's like, is he fighting with himself? Like, every time someone attaches my name to it, I get paid like 10 cents, but it's more money that's going to my new Casio.
0: I don't know. I mean, so at a certain point, they just started appending John Carpenter's to all of his movies. And, you know, I I may have started with like In the Mouth of Madness. But then again, I don't think that they they did it for, like, Escape from L.A. Was it John Carpenter's Escape from L.A.? I don't... Was it? Maybe? Maybe it was. Just looking at the poster now just to see if I can... Like, where did it... Where? where why? Where? Yeah, they did. Yep. So, somewhere along the way, don't even know when, they started appending all of his movies with John Carpenter's as though... You know, maybe well, they did
1: it well. V- vampires, the Fog had too. The John Carpenter's The Fog.
0: Yeah, it did actually. Hmm.
1: Um, I don't. Know, I think after Halloween, they kind of started.
0: Maybe, maybe.
1: It on. It was, just... You just never noticed it. Like, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, right. Because I mean, yeah. Even they live. Um, even Starman.
1: Big so, trouble in Little China. Uh,
0: yeah, apparently that was just a thing that he began doing. Put my name on it. I don't know. Interesting. But yes, you're right. I think John Carpenter may have wanted to pay money to have it removed (laughs) from the film. (laughs) Because like I said, Ghosts of Mars came out in 2001. The Ward came out in 2010. He took a nine-year break because he felt burnt out from making movies. And to be fair, Ghosts of Mars is actually, you know, it's, it's a later movie and he didn't do that many later movies. Um, he, you know, I, I don't know what the filmography was prior to this. Was it Escape from LA? That was the, the next recent one that he did.
1: No, Vampires. Or was
0: it, oh, it was Vampires, which was 1999, I think, right? Yep.
1: 98. Yep.
0: 98. So he didn't really have a whole lot of output here. Um, because there was a two-year gap between um, Escape from L.A. and Vampires. And there was a three-year gap between Vampires and Ghosts of Mars. And we have to imagine that he wasn't writing Ghosts of Mars in a three-year gap. He was writing it in the uh, two months prior to the, the uh, production company saying, John, you got another movie? So what was he doing the rest of those two, three years? You know, so – to say he was burnt out on making movies, you know, he wasn't making a lot of movies, at least directing them at the time. Um, so, we can just imagine that Ghost of Mars itself, the movie, is ultimately the reason why Carpenter gave up on directing for a while.
1: But it's you know, not so- it's, I say, you know it's bad when Ice Cube says, I don't want to talk about it because... Uh- Ice Cube's list of films isn't uh isn't that great either. No it is not. He'd probably rather you talk to him about are we there yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, or <right>. some ours.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 That is true. <laughs>
1: You ever see that movie?
0: I have not seen it, no.
1: Oh, it's awful. No, I haven't seen it, but I can <laughs> oh, imagine. It's ba- oh, it's bad. We yeah. used to play it on FX. So I remember watching it and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> Ice, what happened, bud?
0: No, I, I haven't seen yeah. it, but I can imagine. And, and you're right, yeah. If, if, if Ice would rather talk about are we there yet, then something is terribly, terribly wrong here in Ghosts of Mars, which we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what exactly goes wrong. But first, before we talk about that, we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna talk about the beer that we have in the show today. It's a seasonal beer, people. It's a seasonal beer. And if you know anything about the fall season and what we drink, you'll know what it is. It's an Oktoberfest. And this time we're drinking Druthers Brewing Company's Oktoberfest. So we've had Druthers on the show before. They're not new to us. They're local. They're local? They're a brewery um, from the Albany, Saratoga, Schenectady region. They have three different locations at this point. and they do some good breer. Um, it's one of my favorite places to go around in the area. Um, they make some really nice brews and um, you know, even food. though and good food, yeah. and even though we live you know a little bit of a distance away from the nearest one, still make it a point to get there every now and then, grab a growler grab some food, grab some tacos. If you're our friend Kevin Hoteling, you grab a whole platter of calamari. Delightful. (laughs) But um, yeah, Martin picked up the Druthers Oktoberfest today, um, which is nice because I had meant to get it the other, probably like a couple weeks ago. Uh, My sister was there and she was going to fill Growler for me. And it turned out that that location did not have the Oktoberfest on tap. And I was just devastated i think i put my face in the pillow and cried for a couple hours but instead i got a nice sour so it all worked out in the end but now it's working out even better because martin brought me an Oktoberfest for today you're welcome yeah thank you very much and so if you've listened to our shows before you know that we prefer the american style Oktoberfest, which tends to be a marzen and I don't know if we talked about this on the show before, but we just recently found out the differences between Marzins and Fest beers and what we call Oktoberfests. It's all a very mixed up uh, classification of, of beers. But in general, Fest beers are less malty, Marzins are more malty, and American beers tend to hew more closely to the Marzen for Oktoberfests. And Druthers' Oktoberfest is probably at the very, very, very end of what you would consider a Marzen before crossing over into a different style of beer entirely. So this Oktoberfest lager is a Marzen style uh, and it's extremely malty. It's it's malts, um, Martin has pointed out to us um, previously, is more like almost chocolatey in their scope. And so you're getting uh, very bready, biscuity, chocolatey flavor to it that I find to be delectable.
1: Not delightful? Delectable.
0: Delectable. I really like this beer. Um, I really like Marzen Styles more than Fest beers, and this one really just is hitting the spot.
1: Yeah, I like this a lot. Um, I don't remember like uh, we were saying before the podcast. I've had this one before on tap Two three years ago um, I remember enjoying it Because uh, I, I was I remember Being at The Druthers in Saratoga With a buddy of ours for lunch And I got one I was, And being like oh that's very good I don't really remember it I remember it being As cho- like, chocolatey and biscuity I remember being very good though But so it's the first time Ever having it in a can Because I, honestly I don't think I've ever seen it out in a can before. They've, Druthers the past couple of years has stepped up their canning for things outside of their all-in IPAs and their no excuse in the goes So it's a, I don't know if it's part of, like, you know, kind of bad because of the canning, a different recipe this year or what, but it's very good. And I like it. I think the extra maltiness of this definitely adds something different to it. Um, and when I say it's chocolatey, I'm not trying to sound like a sommelier and be snobby but it's, it is kind of like a baker's chocolate like you know just like a ch- very dark rich not like you know like a milk chocolate that you get to a, that, so it so it pairs well with the overall breadiness of this beer even at 6.2 ABV it's very drinkable very crushable and very delightful and I like this a lot and I look forward to buying it more often because it was only ten ninety nine for the four pack so that's you know pretty pretty cheap for a Good local craft brew.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very quality. And, um, you know, as it, for one of the uh, Oktoberfests that I've had this year, and I've had about, I think, six now. Six different Oktoberfests. Um, it's one of my favorites so far. Um, it's
1: a shame. I've had like six, too, but I haven't had anything like new yet.
0: Mm. Well, I've had probably three or, f- three or four new ones and a couple um, ones that I've already had. So it's a good mix. And I definitely think I prefer the um, Druthers Oktoberfest the most so far. So that's really saying something, considering how many I've had and how much I like Oktoberfest in general. Fest beers or Marzins, I like them both, but I do prefer the Marzin. And this one really, really gets to that spot of being the perfect maltiness. And you know what? It's, I think, you know, but it's been a while since I've had it, so I think my memory's a little shot, but... It's kind of close to, like, the Darktoberfest.
1: That's such a, like, it's been so long. I know. It's it's like... It's hard to uh, even imagine. No, it's just seared in my mind as being great. Kind of like, you know, and X also, speak of the devil. Their white IPA, when we first had that, you know, over a decade ago. And just like with heroin, chasing the pink dragons, like... (laughs) Because you can't be bothered to do it anymore because you got to fucking have their shitty, cloudy night buzz. They aren't that good.
0: This is my new Darktoberfest for right now. It's what I'm imagining it should be.
1: We seriously should just stop. It's not that far away. It's only 45 minutes away. Let's go down to Utica and go down to FX Matt and be like, guys, what are you doing? Make your best beer. (laughs) No, No one's buying like the little hazies, all right? No one. They sit and rot on your shelves, okay? You need to stop. You need to stop right now. Bring, bring back something, you know, something people like. All right. So
0: let's get into Ghosts of Mars.
1: John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. Sorry.
0: Sorry. He needs those 20 cents.
1: I'm going to correct you every time you say it. Now. John
0: Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. All right. So where to begin with this piece of trash?
1: How dare you? how dare you so this is a fine doom movie I don't know it, but instead instead of having the devil on Mars, it's ghost,
0: yeah, I mean <clears throat> and ice so, cubes
1: and ice cubes are doom guy,
0: so yeah, I like this this does resemble in a lot of ways doom, and more specifically doom three. Which wasn't
1: even out yet. It
0: wasn't even out yet. That's right. <laughs> but it really does resemble Doom 3 because Doom 3 has, like, the entire aesthetic of Ghost of Mars. It's almost as though ID was like, you know what? this look pretty good for Mars. Um, Let's take John Carpenter's vision of it and just use it in Doom 3.
1: I think it was you and two other people that played Doom 3.
0: <laughs> in general, in total? Yeah, <laughs> you owners? know. I mean.
1: Yeah. W- it's like a little bit of doom, a little bit of quake, and because you got that fucking train, Resident Evil games, you know. Yeah. Which what a trope of the late early two thousands with films and video games having train sequences. <laughs> like where you gotta have a standoff in the train.
0: So my yeah, so that that is interesting that they have like this train sequence and and, and so I guess let's back up a little bit. Because Ghosts of Mars has Takes place one on of, Jupiter. What's that?
1: Takes place on Jupiter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, but it has one of the most ridiculous setups for the the movie in that it's all told in flashbacks. And then on top of that, there are flashbacks within the flashbacks that are telling a story that the narrator of the flashback was told. So Natasha Henstridge is playing um, Lieutenant Melanie Ballard, who is tasked with bringing Desolation Williams back to Crysee after this uh, ghost town on Mars goes rogue, and they have all kinds of issues with uh, black metal bands roaming the streets. Um, and, <laughs> and so she is, at the beginning of the movie, telling the council – basically giving testimony about what happened. And so it's a terrible setup because it, first of all, like in, in a testimony like that, the council wouldn't be like, uh, Melanie, tell us what um, Sergeant Jericho told you he saw. Right? Because that's not eyewitness testimony at that point. It's like sh- someone else told me this happened. But that happens constantly in Ghosts
1: so of where, Mars. Could, see? This is where you're... Ryan, Ryan, John Ryan. Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. You fool. This is all an unreliable narration. Because Melanie is, takes drugs. Drugs. Exactly. So, there you go. That's The ghost is the ghost in her blood from the drugs. It's not real demons. The demons inside her all along. It's her chasing the dragon. The pink dragon. She slaughtered a whole village on her own. Those weren't people possessed. She was possessed by drugs. Shot them all dead.
0: End of story.
1: <laughs> but,
0: yeah, but, but what I, I really dislike about Ghost of Mars is how it tells the story. That it's it it requires flashback, and then flashbacks within flashbacks, and other characters telling them flashbacks, and... and well, it takes so
1: all- long... It takes so long for us to get back to, like, the like the council that she's, like, not even being tried. They're just, like, inquisiting, you know, on, like, so what happened? Um, there's, like, such long intermissions between, like, one flashback to the next. You almost forget, like, oh, yeah, this is a flashback. Yeah,
0: like, like oh, yeah, Melanie's going to be fine because she makes it out. So you, you immediately know, like, she's going to be okay. She's like gonna.
1: at the end they intersperse a little bit more like oh like fl- like you know going bouncing back and forth but the, like the first 45 minutes of the film you like flashes back and you think like you know it's going to be the whole you know but that's not like the main problem with the film.
0: So. Oh no, it's not the main problem, but it is a big problem for me. So one could be generous and say, "Well, Carpenter is doing a modern take on H.P. Lovecraft's story within a story where An unreliable narrator tells a story where an unreliable narrator in the story tells a story. Okay. You could say that, but this is just garbage. (laughs) And not only that, but the flashback sequences force us as the viewer to endure screen wipe after screen wipe after dissolve from the editing. And it is atrocious. It is very disheartening to see... <laughs> a director Which, using what? What did you call it? I think you said like TV movie edits.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I will say it is a Carpenter trademark to do that. The same thing with like the overlay shots of like you know like they're like like somebody's like doing something and then like you know they got an overlay of stuff going on to, you know over it. Mm-hmm. it. It's a Carpenter trope. So like the fades and the wipes is a carpenter trope but by 2001 it's like John it's not 1980 anymore
0: well I think the way it, that like, they're it, used it's, too, it's so
1: just jarring like cause like it transfers from scene to scene but it's not like into like a different like area for a scene it's literally like oh yeah two feet down later like oh yeah so here's what we're doing and screen wipe and then like you're not screen wiping somewhere new it's like yeah we're just down in the bathroom now okay. so, <laughs> so Jason them what are we doing now Oh, okay.
0: Well, I and I just think that it's the way that they're used is just not effective. It's just not. Um, it's it's extremely cheesy. It 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 brings the enjoyment level down significantly just with those wipes alone. Because you're like, what have I gotten myself into? By by five minutes in, you're like, what what am I watching?
1: So I got I get the feeling Carpenter's standing over at the editor. He's like, more. He's like John, come on, we can't do it. He's like more, god damn it!
0: Like we just, Arr. we just wipe John, wipe again.
1: <laughs> like he's sitting there, and they're like they're editing on Movie Maker because mm-hmm. like, you know, and John's like, we can do what? <laughs> look at this, look how beautiful it is. Like wipe,
0: wipe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Movie Maker, and they're like, how are we going to do the title cards? And he's like, I don't know. I've heard of a font called Comic Sans. <laughs> Can we can we put it on there? Can we do a title card with that?
1: I was thinking uh, more uh, Joker. Or, you know, someone had to be like, no, no. Do like Ariel. It's more. That's a better font. It's thicker. <laughs> it's better than Times
0: New Roman. So, let's just get it out there. Where did Natasha Henstridge come from for this movie? All of a sudden... They were just like, let's go to Natasha Henstridge.
1: I don't – generic blonde that I don't think I've ever seen in anything else. I was looking at her filmography earlier and – Well,
0: she was pretty big in the 90s. She did Species, which was a pretty big movie. And in that movie, she was just like the sexy, sultry uh, alien. So – you know that was a big one for her, um, but by 2001, wasn't doing a whole lot, and well, so pa-
1: no, apparently she was because she uh, apparently, for, according to Wikipedia, said that she was. Um, she got really sick after filming Ghost of Mars because she had filmed two other films right before Ghost of Mars and was exhausted.
0: Well, when I say not doing a whole lot, I mean not doing a whole lot of good movies. Mm. <laughs> Maybe doing a lot of movies, mm. but. Maybe not a whole lot of good ones. um, But it just seemed like a random pick. And it actually was a secondary pick because Courtney Love was supposed to play
1: oh, just, Lieutenant God, Melanie that Valerie. would have been so awful. Thank God. Because she's not bad. I actually think she's pretty good in this film. She's got a very uh, – well, it's kind of what
0: you need, right? So it's like a very generic, bland, like cop character.
1: She could have played Sonya Blade in like a Mortal Kombat film. Yeah. She's got like that presence. I think like the action sequences, she she holds her own. Um, I would say she's like you know a lot more interesting than some other uh, other people in this role, like Mila. What the fuck's her name from Resident Evil? Mila. Myra. Mila Jovovich. Yeah.
0: Mila Jovovich.
1: Yeah, a lot better than her.
0: And and then. You've got Jason Statham. Actually, you know what? It's not Jason Statham in this movie. I don't know who this guy is, but he's not Jason Statham. Doesn't have bald head.
1: He looks like he's just you know fried out of his mind. <laughs> well,
0: you can see he's in this movie. He's got that. He's got
1: that. He's got that Christopher Lloyd hair. Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. You can see in this movie like why he would shave his head because he wasn't working. He's got like the. Uh, top of a pencil eraser that's picked up some friction on his head you know it's just like little pieces up there so you can see why he's chosen to shave it from now on because ghost of mars is not a great representation of him and you're right he does act like he's fried out of his mind half the time in this movie i think he gives probably the best performance because it is the most over the top performance um then we can. I, I,
1: I don't know if it's more over the top than Ice Cube.
0: Maybe not, but I feel like Ice Cube's just being Ice Cube here.
1: That's true, but it's over the top when you're on fucking Mars in the 23rd <laughs> century, and you got someone be like, "Damn, it, son of a."
0: The- and you're a and you're a pretty uh, extensive gangbanger, right? Yeah. Like he's just like acts like he doesn't. He's not even serious at all. He's just like it, it's hard to take him seriously as like a really important um criminal figure it's just like
1: why is he criminal what did he do we don't know i don't
0: know he murdered he some just, people sometimes And hung him up or something
1: we don't know or so know. they said doesn't really say they just we got to we got to get desolation like where's that flashback i want to know how this fucker became named desolation williams
0: well that was meant to be jo- john carpenter's ghost of mars 2 but that never happened <laughs>
1: Filmed by some other guy and written by some other guy. <laughs> right, and written by John- some other
0: guy and filmed by some other guy. And John Carpenter said, Sure, you can pop my name on it.
1: John Carpenter's a Ghost of Mars, too. How Desolation Williams became Desolation. You know, and then I gotta say,
0: I am really upset that Pam Greer is in this movie. And I'm she, really she, upset I'm, what they did to her because sure they white womaned her.
1: She, I'm sure she's upset with being in the film, too.
0: <laughs> they. <laughs> Absolutely, white womaned the shit out of her. She looks like fucking Katie Seagal in this movie <laughs> from Sons of Anarchy. They're like Sons of Anarchy, Katie Seagal. That is what Pam Greer looks like in this. They gave her a fucking terrible haircut. They put her in fucking terrible, like leather, cheap, Goodwill outfit, and they said, Pam Greer, you're effectively a white woman in this movie.
1: Probably should just stop what she was doing after uh, Jackie Brown. Poor
0: Pam Greer. She deserved a whole lot more than what she gets. And Ghost of Mars, feel really bad. And then Clay Duvall. Clay Duvall f- forgot she was in this movie. But she is. <laughs> she gets a uh fucking Meg Ryan haircut circa nineteen nineties and um. Uh, has every like time I, two, every time two I, lines.
1: Every time I saw, her, I just wanted to like start playing the Ally McBeal theme. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've been down in this room, down in my, my mom was a big uh, Ally McBeal fan back. Yeah, in
0: you was. know more bars of Ally McBeal's theme song than I have any idea about.
1: Because well, I mean, it's not like I want to. Like I said, it's <laughs> shit, my mom. Watched. Yeah, I would.
0: I wouldn't have known. <laughs>
1: Well, you know what our your family was too busy being intellectual and watching Twin Peaks. Okay? <laughs> you guys were just My watching... mom was well wa- <laughs> my mom was watching Ally McBeal in Melrose Place.
0: So so uh just looking at some of the uh the notes that I took. Um so early on, as we talked about in Ghost of Mars,
1: you Which, know Oh, I forgot to say, what a, who came up with that name? Bashira Kincaid. <laughs> That sounds like somebody who, like, left the Star Trek, like, Deep Space Nine uh, casting and naming role and came on to Carpenter. Because that's not a Carpenter name.
0: Well, in sounds Mortal Kombat-ian, like,
1: Bashira. Well, I was was thinking more like Tomino, like, just, like, out of left field, like, just picking fucking weird names, you know, like, like Tomino does when it comes to, like, naming his Gundam characters. Like, what's this person's name gonna be? Foulbo! Perfect. Yeah.
0: Well, so what I was going to say is, you know, the film is predicated on that very beginning where Melanie takes that pill and we get a very, very nice uh, CGI. CGI hallucinogenic scene. And I said, wouldn't it be nice if every time you take a pill, you get like this mellifluous music that plays behind you like. Nice, flowing waterfall that you see. Because that's always how it happens in the movies. It's like some magical time that you get. Because everyone knows when you take a pill, you immediately feel the effects of it. Like, just like, hit your tongue, bam!
1: Well, not only that, it had... uh, While that was happening, she um, had tidal waves crashing over her. And I thought I heard for a second Chris Isaac's Wicked game playing in the background. Carpenter couldn't get Carpenter couldn't get that uh, get that license, so he just added stock uh, stock Carpenter synth sounds to it, which is weird. I like I don't I don't get the whole we don't like I, I that whole bit I don't get like. What drugs is she on? We see later a guy doing like a sp- specific type of drug, but was she on that? We don't know. We don't see. It's just oh, she's on drugs. It's
0: because it's not important. She's just on drugs, and that makes her a bad cop. Ghost of Mars is all about the cop shit. It's um, it's almost like a neo noir movie. The way the the lines are delivered, because there's that almost like stilted dialogue delivery um, that a neo-noir would have. Um, and and then sometimes it's also Western-like, and that's also very action-like. The point is, Ghost of Mars doesn't really know what the hell it's doing at any one time. And it doesn't have a good handle on what it wants to be, um, which is why it feels like so off all the time. Not only that, but it's it's a tedious movie. It's it's just takes too long to get through every sequence, I feel like. Um I think the uh, the opening flashbacks take way too long. It takes a long time to get to the actual, you know, black metal band that's been running around on on um this colony. And it it takes even longer to get to the ghost part. I think by that point, we've all lost a lot of um, interest in what's going on because it just doesn't feel like there's any sort of um, through line through this. It's, it's very meandering. And not only that, but one of the big kickers for me is that Carpenter says that this should be, you know, it's intended to be like an 80s action movie but the choreography in this movie is really bad. If you watch the fight scenes, they shot a lot of them in slow motion, I feel like because they were unable to choreograph them well. Because if you just watch like the real time ones, holy crap, is the the actual movement bad. Like it's it's almost you can see it where they'll like be punching and then they'll come real close, and then it like slows down, and then there's no hit, and then it it just it you know there's no connection there. It doesn't feel like a fighting. It feels like play acting. So I, thought I would that-
1: see. See, I would disagree with you. I actually think the fight choreography. This is one of the better parts of this film. Really. Yes. Um. I think. When it it comes to the whole, oh, it's supposed to just be like a cheesy 80s act, like, you know, cheesy tongue-in-cheek film. Um, There's moments where it's like, yeah, it's kind of supposed to be. Like, like, because there's a lot of, like, (sighs) there's a couple of moments that stick out as being, like, out of place. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, when the guy cuts his hand off when he's doing the drugs. Mm -hmm. And fucking Ice Cube's like, you dumb son of a bitch. Or when his uh, brothers are, like, threatening uh, Natasha and saying, like, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. If you don't listen to me, I'm going to cut your titties off. And then she just fucking throat punches him. And he's like, you dumb son. And then Ice Cube's like, you dumb son of a bitch. Like, those are funny moments. But at the same time, there's there's so few and far in between where that whole, like, it's just supposed to be like, you know, this tongue-in-cheek film. Doesn't come across. And I would say, like, the action parts, they're not well done, but they're not that bad. I thought, like, a lot of, like, the actual fight choreography, like, like the hand-to-hand stuff wasn't that bad. It was actually, the way it was shot was kind of, like, intense. And I wouldn't say there was that much slow motion either. It was very, you know, quick-paced and not anything overly long, but, like, it felt, like, quick and snappy and punchy. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of, it's it's kind of, it's kind of the shooting parts that I would say were kind of fucking ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, well that
0: that for sure. The shooting parts are ridiculous because uh they're taking on like hundreds of you know these soldier guys that are in um infested with uh, this ghost issue. And I don't know, it just it's the action moments within this movie just seem way over the top. Um, I think I would have... I guess I would have preferred if they had gone a little bit more um, toned down with it. Like, they didn't have, you know, hundreds of people running all over the place in war battle scenes. Um, and maybe just made it a little bit more intimate with how many people they had involved. Um, because I think... Uh, okay, Richard's... The-
1: the- I, say, I think the well, I was gonna say kinda going off that I think the main problem with the film is the whole idea of what infects these people, the ghost. Like it's not like grounded enough and doesn't have enough of uh like a what's actually going on to make what's going on believable. Like you could have had your cake and eat it too and had it be like a an infection that like just spreads And you get you do get all of these hundreds of people, but then actually make the shootouts intense, or you can make it like a day of the dead like bunker zombie film and you know, make it more intimate. I I don't think Carpenter knew enough to what where to go with that to make it effective because it's so loosey goosey on what these ghosts are capable of doing and how they work that the the whole Action is meaningless because you're like, well, who the fuck knows how any of this works?
0: Yeah, I would say that the ghosts themselves are really poorly done. They don't. It does not go into much detail about what exactly is happening, what power it has, why they infect certain people. Like what what exactly draws them to certain individuals and how do they get infected? There's not really much rhyme or reason to it. Which made me think
1: the POV shots are awful too. That they constantly show of the fucking ghost, like
0: with like a reddish yeah uh, like, hue to it. It's almost like a Terminator type like laser hue.
1: Like, oh, who am I gonna infect next?
0: Yeah, but it makes me think that Ghost of Mars is basically the thing, but do the thing really fucking terrible. Like, like let's take the thing. Because it has that, all of the paranoia of not knowing who's infected, who's going to be the thing. And pop that into Ghosts of Mars and add a little slice of, action, of, of the action from Escape from L.A., which itself was not well received <laughs> during Escape from L.A.'s release. And you have Ghosts of Mars. Um, and that's basically, like, it's a combination of those two things. Um, and Escape, it actually has some of Escape from Um LA's terrible scenery too. Uh, because that's one of the the things that stands out from Escape from LA is the god awful CGI that they used in that for background stuff. And one of the ones one of the shots that really stood out to me in Ghost of Mars is when um I think it's what is it? Is it Whitlock, the one um woman scientist that they have in the in the uh jail? And uh, she, it shows a flashback of her coming in on a hot air balloon,
1: and the it's background so is so fucking terrible. It's why like, would she be? Why would she also be in on Mars and being like, "How to escape out of here?" I know weather balloon. I,
0: I have no idea. It's just such a terrible, terrible scene with really bad CGI background. <laughs> and it just looks like shot on set. That it screams it. Really, really bad uh moment, and that that is definitely reminiscent of a from LA's worst moments. Like um, what is it? Uh, I think not there's
1: only, a, I say not only that. All I could think of the entire time, too. Every time I saw a scene with her, is like, what's Jane Lynch doing in this movie? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a definitely resemblance <laughs> there. Jesus. Even but, then, though, like even. Her character is designed to basically deliver information about what happened on on this, you know, this this town that to cause this, and it doesn't even go into much detail at all. It's just a very poorly designed, um, I guess you call it villain.
1: Um, like it's a, like I like I said, I think it's a fine idea. Like okay, the spirits of Mars are t- like uh, taking over people. Because uh, they want to defend the planet from invaders. Okay. Fine. How does it work besides them just randomly choosing at certain scenarios to people that they take over?
0: Yeah, and, and I will say that I even like the fact that it brings up um, that these spirits are not technically just attacking them randomly, right? Because they are pretty much colonizing Mars and taking over a space that was already there. So they're not attacking, they're defending. And I like that idea, but it just doesn't go – the movie doesn't go into it at all. It just literally says that. It literally says like they're defending Mars from us and that's it. Um, And that's somewhat different from a Carpenter film that has like a social commentary to it because it should be really ingrained in the movie. And that just doesn't come about. It it requires the movie to literally express it um, in order to get that point across. And so that it just has no um, showing that that scenario. It just it literally just tells you. And I wish they were able to do a little bit more with that, because I think that would have been an interesting idea. And like you said, the idea of spirits on Mars infecting is pretty good. It's an it's. It's a nice premise. Um, whether I think that they should become, you know, guys in corpse paint with uh, a bondage which, and, and BDSM fetish,
1: which that's the part where they rip from Mad Max—the whole like fucking guys when the whole Martians when they're running around—it's like like you're watching a bad Mad Max spinoff. Like, oh. When Max goes to the other side of Australia, he hasn't been on in a while. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah,
0: that the Mad Max part of that is uh, is is definitely apparent and it it does not do the film any favors because it just doesn't do it very well. And not only that, but there's really no again, there's no um description of why they're doing these things like body modification, you know, uh poking needles and metal through their face. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. It just, like, exists because that's interesting.
1: Like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to see him, like, dig it, use his nails to, like, dig it, like, into his face and make, like, a, make some war paint? Yeah. There's just no,
0: it just doesn't go into it. Uh, at all, and that seems like it's a you know missed opportunities like because it it almost has a Hellraiser aspect to it, except there's no reason for it, and it really misses the mark in that. So I, I really feel like Ghost of Mars had good ideas. It just didn't know what to do with them, and there's so many running around that it's just gets lost in itself. Um, I don't Which know, just-
1: is kind of a c- kind of a Carpenter film in a nutshell. The good are more contained and focused, and the ones that aren't are the ones that are rambling and all over the place. Like, you didn't have somebody there to be like, John, what are you doing? Come on. Settle down. Yeah.
0: And, you know, it's important to note this wasn't just written by John. It was uh, a co-script by um, Larry Sulkis and John. Um, but at the same time, yeah, there needed to be some paring down. There needed to be some editing. And at an hour and 40 minutes, this movie goes real long at the end of the movie, um, where the last probably 40 minutes or so really feels like it just goes on and on forever.
1: There's so Well, it's mainly the second act. There's just so much meandering when they're at that fucking mining town. Like, it's like somebody's playing an RPG and then they're taking it stupid, like really slow like I would like I gotta talk to all the locals and you know pick up every side quest I can before I advance the story so they're just meandering around this clinic for fucking ages doing nothing nothing happens like once they all fall back into that clinic it's just a bunch of stupid bullshit happening like you got like a scene where Ice Cube turns the ta- uh, tables on Natasha and he's like, "Getting the. G-. He's like, We got you now. We got guns and you ain't gonna escape. And then she fucking turns around as they're dancing in the fucking prison and locks him in. And says, Now you're locked in there. He's like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. And she's like, Well, you can't because then you won't get out. And then it's like, like a six minute rigmarole of like, What the fuck was the point of that? There's a whole bunch of scenes like that in this film where it's just like, Random stupid shit like that. That's like kind of funny, but at the same time, it's like a waste of time. Like the whole, the whole, the whole bit of them like making grenades. And then the guy, we, they're explaining, like, oh, he's on this drug and it turns your brain to Swiss cheese. And then he chops his hand off. And Ice Cube's like, dumb son of a bitch. And they laugh and then they tape him up and then they go on their way. What was the point of that?
0: Yeah, I don't – I have no idea. There's Yeah, there's a lot of those things that just happen, and they don't really have much of a point. It seems like it just is there to extend the movie. Um, And, you know, I think this could have even been a really tight like hour and 20 minutes if it had gotten rid of some of the stuff that happens outside of the tension. So getting rid of the telling the story uh, to the council, uh, get rid of that entirely and just have it all set – uh in this time frame um would have taken away some of the extraneous uh elements that take us out of that um experience however then you wouldn't get the uh the action sequence at the end of the movie where um Ice Cube bursts in and says you know what we make a really good team and you know you'd make a great criminal and Tasha Hendrix says Ice Cube, you'd make a good cop.
1: They're just like, nah. It's like up. that's like way too late in the film. Like, like they just inserted that at the end. Like, see, tongues in cheek, tongues in the cheek. And the fucking submachine guns they have are so fucking ridiculous. These bright platinum-looking, you know, it's just so fucking stupid.
0: Well, and so the other thing <laughs> is, you know, like you said, there, the tongue-in-cheekness is coming too late, and I think. That is one of the things that Carpenter said about this movie that people didn't get that it was supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. And I do feel like, well, if it was really intentionally meant to be tongue-in-cheek, then that was totally missed. Because the film does not really play like it's meant to be tongue-in-cheek. It's It really plays... It's not
1: vampires. Vampires is totally tongue-in-cheek.
0: Immediately, you can tell it's tongue-in-cheek.
1: Yo, here, it's like, they, like I said, they add little like little bits... Randomly along the way And so it's like, oh, see, her tongue's on her cheek And it's It's not I I almost feel like They blew through, somehow blew through 28 million dollars, cause this film doesn't look like It was shot on a budget more than 3 million (laughs) Blew through that budget And they're like, oh, fuck We spent all our money on red food dye Making the sand look fucking red (laughs) Uh, we, uh we need to like think of something on why this film's gonna be shit, and they like they add random lines along the way. Like, see, it's supposed to be tongue in cheek, and not be it seriously.
0: It's yeah, it's it's definitely it misses making sure that the the audience knows it's tongue in cheek. It plays very seriously, and you, I I mean, I don't. I don't disagree with Carpenter saying like, you know, it it, it ultimately was meant to be tongue in cheek, but throughout the movie there really is no indication of it. And so this plays less like a a movie that's almost intentionally made to be shitty. And it plays more like a movie that is just so shitty it's hard to believe it wasn't meant to be shitty.
1: They didn't try hard enough to make it shitty.
0: Exactly. They they,
1: they they tried hard earnestly. It didn't work and like, oh, shit.
0: Exactly. <laughs> like, it, it, it just feels like a, a failure on both regards. Like, a failure to make a, a movie that plays seriously, if that's what you're going for, but a failure to make it feel like it was tongue-in-cheek because it just feels too serious to be tongue-in-cheek. It Either I, way, it doesn't work.
1: Look at that movie poster. How fucking chintzy and, like, shitty, like, how it was, like, made in, like, Microsoft Paint. It doesn't look like they're like, oh, it's supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. It looks like, like, oh, we were trying to be kind of serious with this, and we, uh, we kind of fucked it up.
0: Yeah, I, I I just, I don't necessarily agree with what Carpenter's saying that, you know, people just didn't understand that it was supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. If that was the case, they really missed the, they really missed doing it. They didn't, they did didn't hit the mark there.
1: So we have say so it's, 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 it's almost like Romero saying that Dawn of the Dead is a critique of uh, consumerism.
0: <laughs> so we haven't talked about um, the soundtrack in this movie. So what did you think about the soundtrack here?
1: Great, Anthrax, 10 out of 10, Steve Vai, 10 out of 10, um, doing their best rip-off riffs of uh, Pantera's walk for the every action sequence. Love it. Well,
0: it has a variety <laughs> of things going on. It has the very chuggy hard rock anthems that it's got going on during the action sequences.
1: You need to call it metal. Don't call it hard. It's not hard rock. It's Anthrax.
0: I'm not calling it metal. And it's also got a prodigy-esque, like, erotica electronic score, too. That it's, it's kind of, like, set when they're in the train sequences and when they're first um, finding out what's going on in this colony. They It's kind of, like, got, like, a, a prodigy-type. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's. If you've seen Valentine, when they go to the museum, like the sex museum um, artwork piece, and it's like playing that that music, that's what I'm talking about. It's exactly. Like, it's like, I don't know. It it doesn't really feel Carpenter-esque. It doesn't feel like a Carpenter score. It's got synth work. It doesn't really feel like a Carpenter score. It it does have um moments that sound like carpenter but overall very very um disappointed with the overall soundtrack because at the very least if Ghost of Mars sucks as a movie at least you can enjoy the soundtrack and in this case you can't do that either <laughs> Very d- disappointed with that. I Definitely would not go out and buy a Ghost of Mars vinyl. You should pop it on and listen to it uh, by itself on my ra- record player.
1: <laughs> and right that's the other. Th- it. It's right up there with Into the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> well, that's the
0: that's the other thing that you get with Ghost of Mars too, is that like if you were to listen to the score you wouldn't really get an overall feeling of the movie. Like you wouldn't feel the arcs of the movie. And I feel like you do get that with a lot of Carpenter's best works. Like if you listen to Halloween, you can listen to it through and kind of find you, like you kind of in, intuitively know where it is in the movie. You listen to Prince of Darkness all the way through. You can kind of figure out where you are in the movie. Um, if you listen to Ghost of Mars and, and all the way through as a soundtrack, you say, what the fuck am I doing with my life?
1: You're listening to some great metal. <laughs> I,
0: I just think, again, it lacks a signature that Carpenter usually has. It's great. But hey, maybe people like that. Who bestank 2000s rock?
1: Apparently it's got a... Kinda- Cult following, so
0: uh what? Ghost to Mars?
1: Yeah, the, the soundtrack does.
0: Oh the soundtrack does. Oh okay. yeah. yeah. Well, interesting. <laughs> um, anything else that we wanted to talk about that we didn't cover?
1: How'd you like all the decapitations in this film?
0: And they're great. I mean the the K and B um effects are not bad. I wouldn't you know, I don't I don't think they're bad. Um probably one of the better parts of the movie. Um but at the same time I don't think Ghost of Mars really has that much going for it from the uh from the the effects standpoint to really make them stand out. What did you think?
1: No, it's alright. If anything, I mean, I wouldn't say like the gore effects or anything were the problem. I think the fact that it looks like it was shot on like the same set for half of it as vampires and it's just like generic, uh, just overall very generic, like 90s first person shooter levels. Because it's all like very, like, oh, going, going through the mine. Going through this tunnel. Oh, there's a little overhead. Oh, we in the outside. It's like I'm playing Turok all over again. <laughs> Turok. <laughs> Great game. Great game. Underappreciated. Undervalued. You
0: know, instead of the soundtrack that they got, they should have just had, you know, like a 90s uh, Norwegian black metal band actually do the soundtrack. That's pretty much what they're replicating here with the the villain character. So might as well just go all in. Have like a Marduk or something do the soundtrack. <laughs> Anything else that we didn't talk about? I think we, we I mean we covered a lot of it because let's face it, what's there to really talk about in Ghosts of Mars? It's not a great movie. And it really lacks an identity that a lot of other Carpenter movies have. However, I guess we got to give this a rating. So, on a scale of 1 to 10 exclamations of poor Pam Greer,
1: what would you give (laughs) Ghost of Mars? Give it a 5 out of 10. It's not a good film. It's far from the worst film I've ever seen, though. Um, it's got enough there at times to be enjoyable, but it's not. It's a sl- it is a slog. An hour and forty is way too long for this film. I think the ideas are pretty good. I think um, it's just a damn shame that the Carpenter and crew didn't get it more honed down, focused. Um, I think if it was more. More of a uh, controlled idea would have worked, and if they made it like an eighty-minute film, would have been like a fun little thing, even on the low-budget scale. But the effects, like for the settings and CGI, is pretty unforgivable. The acting overall is not bad; no one in here I say is bad, but no one's really makes it worth like watching. Um, it's a bad film from Carpenter. Um. But I wouldn't say it's e- like one of the worst things I've ever seen. I've seen far worse films than this. Um, and just out of curiosity, if you're somebody who's like like sci-fi action films, I'd say kind of check it out because it does like borrow a lot from like films, contemporary films of the time, like Starship Troopers and Pitch Black, just like kind of certain ideas and settings and stuff, and kind of see where they kind of compare on the spectrum. So I'd say five out of ten. It's middling.
0: You're, you're more generous than me. I probably I would give this like a three out of ten. I'm like I said, it kind of made me angry to watch it. Um, I had a very difficult time getting through the movie in general. I think it took me like three hours to watch it. I was busy doing some other things, and so I had to pause it a couple times. But overall, I was you know it took me a while to get through this movie, and I feel like it was definitely a slog to get through. Um, I feel like it, you know, it had an interesting idea, but the execution is just really, really poor. Um, and I expected more from Carpenter, which I think is what makes me so angry about it, um, that I, I just wish that it had done better. Um, you're right. I have seen worse movies than this movie. There are definitely worse movies out there. We've covered worse movies than this movie. But I think the disappointment makes it even l- – give <laughs> kind of gives it even a lower score – um, it just is not a good movie all around from the acting to the, uh, from what I felt like the bad choreography to the really, I would say, you know, underwhelming villain and it just doesn't have a lot going for it. I don't think I will ever revisit this movie or maybe, maybe not for a long while, maybe in years, but not anytime soon. Um and I do think it's probably Carpenter's worst film. But um other than that, there were maybe some a couple funny moments. <laughs> uh but there's not really a whole lot to redeem it, I feel like. Um so three out of ten for me. And that's a pretty low score. It might be one of my lowest scores
1: that I've given a movie on here. No, it definitely is. That's why I'm kind of surprised, because I'm thinking back to, like, a whole bunch of films that we've reviewed on the podcast, like Mako and other nonsense, and being like, really? I mean, like I said, this is not a good film. And if you don't know our rating scale here, a 5 out of 10 for us is not good. It's not average. We kind of go by the American Teaching Scale, where, uh, you know... 65 out of 10 is a that's just passing so it's definitely not a good film but i would say it's far like i said it is tedious and it is annoying to see it is like i said it's it's tedious and the fact that they fail at what they're doing is annoying as hell but like it's just i don't think it's offensive enough though to it doesn't really piss me off it's like all right john you know no wonder why you stopped. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't know. I was just maybe it's maybe it's the amount of my disappointment is is creating me, uh, making me give it a.
1: Because I'm sure if we divulged uh, into half of Pam Greer's filmography, you'd find fucking films galore. You know that you'd be like, "Well, that's bad."
0: Alright, well that's Ghosts of Mars. Um let's see what's next on the agenda for our our show. I, don't I know what it is? I think we maybe Christine. Let me just take a look here. I always have to go like looking for the for the image so I know exactly what we're what we're covering. And then the other problem is we send so many memes to each other that I have a hard time it finding it. It just gets lost. Yeah. Yep. It was, it's Christine. I thought so. Yep. So Christine is next. Which will be fun because I have not seen Christine in decades. Probably at least one decade. Have you seen Christine? Long, long time ago. Hmm. Yeah. So that'll be a fun one because I don't really recall it that much. So, it'll be interesting to see what we think.
1: They played it like once on Spike. I'm pretty sure that's how I called it.
0: Hmm. Well, we'll see what we think. So, if you want to know what we think about Christine, you'll have to tune in next week to our episode. It's part of So Creepy, It's Carpenter. Uh, we are on any podcasting app that you can think of. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Anchor, we're on everything. So find us on whatever you like to listen to, subscribe to us, leave us a nice review. Uh, We are also on Facebook and Twitter, you can search for us on there, Blood and Black Rum Podcast, and we have an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. You can also um, send us money on our Patreon page or on our anchor.fm page uh, where you can become a subscriber. So if you can donate anything, we appreciate it. Helps keep the podcast running, helps us buying beer. Other than that, we're continuing So Creepy It's Carpenter all Halloween season up through October 31st. So we hope you continue to join us as we uh, conquer all of Carpenter's horror movies, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Except for The Thing, you can go listen to that on episode 100 of our show. Until next time, we hope to hear from you soon. Hope you tune in. Hope you enjoyed our episode on "Go to Mars." Hope you never watch it.
1: <laughs> Take care. And-